It's the uh, 200th anniversary of the abolition of the British Slave Trade Act, which led subsequently to the abolition of slavery. What we want to present is to show the unique role that Sierra Leone as a country had to play in the institution of slavery. The cycle of slavery, it is a depiction of the life stories of our ancestors who were captured um, and taken into bondage, into slavery. It um, tells us about the way in which um, they endured all sorts of atrocities and the way they were treated so badly. But at the same time, it showed the, the resilience and the, the courage which um, our ancestors had. The circle is also used metaphorically to describe a situation in which the beginning point and the final point are one and the same. From Sierra Leone, amongst other countries, came the slaves. With the premium for being the finest connoisseurs of the art and science of rice cultivation. Back to Sierra Leone, where they returned, albeit four centuries later. The European plantation owners purchased slaves from various parts of Africa, as Sierra Leoneans were in great demand to work the rice fields in South Carolina and other places in the New World. Bunce Island, off the coast of Sierra Leone, bade farewell to thousands of slaves. This was to be one of the many points forming the circle of slavery, our theme for this evening. When we made the script, we have to show, we have to portray what we were going through. We were living happy lives. We have in celebrations because we lived, we counted our, our, our lives by seasons. Changes have come to our land. <laughs> People came from far away. We do not know them. I do not know why they can. Pretty much after the slave trade, obviously things changed. The Europeans attempted to, to make that part of who we, who we are fall apart. And I think it's important for us to, to go back to that and uh, to sort of reclaim that and to sort of let people know that's who we are and uh, you know, share that part of history with an audience because oftentimes that kind of thing is forgotten, I think, especially nowadays, living in North America and having North American influences. By depicting certain richness in our culture and traditions shows people that, yes, before the invasion via slavery, there were great and happy life. There was abundance of food. The embracement of Africans born in the diaspora, knowing those things, we actually erase that very negative portrayal of the African image. So basically this play is not trying to over-elevate the Africanness, 
basically to show that rich tradition that there was harmony, there was that community concern and caring among people. It is festive season yes. in our land. And before we do anything, we pour libation to our ancestors. Yeah. Without our ancestors, there is no good harvest. For we pour to bring them into our midst and say thanks for the many years that this land has been a provider to our people. This land has been good to us. We had a systematic life that we were living and the white man comes just like damaged everything that we knew and we all just there. So it is, for me, it's important to show. You can't just say, oh, they were Africans, they were living in a backward life. But for us at the time, it was a perfect life. It was a perfect life. in the world. The British become involved as 
other Europeans are involved. The Portuguese were the first to, in fact, begin extracting slaves. The Dutch were involved. The Swedes were involved. The Danes were involved. They abolished their slave trade in 1804. The Germans, at the time they would have been called Brandenburgers, they were involved. And they're taking slaves to different parts of the world. The slave trade was, of course, extremely important. So important that the British went to war fighting over slaves and fighting over the trade. British ships left England, went to the coast of West Africa, where they had forts. They brought manufactured goods, mostly cloth at the time, to Africa, exchanged cloth for African men and women. They are pearl ships. They are taken across the Atlantic. And then they are sold. They are sold in the markets in Jamaica, or in Grenada, or in St. Vincent, or St. Lucia, or in South Carolina. I want to go away from here. I can stay here. This is no life. Look at me. Where, where can you go? Do you know this land? Do you know this land? Where can you hide? In a cave? How can you eat? How would you survive? You talking as if I really went <laughs> when I saw the slave master. I went, I went right, right in the jungle in my rice in my rice farm, and I climbed on top of the hill and I told them, "Hey, white man, here I am. Come and take me, white man, take me." And because the white man didn't hear me, I ran down the hill, roll. And then down in the stream, in the Waiga River, and I went pity pata, pity pata, as if I'd been, I'd been chased by, uh, by an alligator or something. Then I was so drenched, so wet, I stood before the white man. I said, White man, my heart beating. And I said, White man, yes, I'm here, you see. My teeth are white and strong. I am young. Look at my muscle. Take me. Was that what I did? No! Was it not for the Harvest Festival? That day, we were dancing. We were giving thanks to God. We were praising our ancestors. And I was caught. And now you say you're going? Please, don't go somewhere. Listen to me. I hear you. Listen to me. I hear you. I have no choice. I have to leave this place. Listen. Ships 
and brought across the Atlantic. Of those 12 million, 87% survived, that is to say 10.5 million people survived the crossing and arrived in the Caribbean or in the Americas, and 1.5 million died on the way. This woman has suffered so much. Did you know, you might always have the news, but did you know that this woman's mother, they threw her into the ocean? What? She got sick. I'm telling you! Believe me! Yes! They threw her into the ocean. And not only that, wait, not only that, her son got beaten so badly when he tried to escape. I'm the major character in the play, a very strong woman who has seen a lot um, during the course. I, my life is really, really, really affected a lot. The slave trade affected my life, that of my family, and so I'm in too much pain. And finally, when my husband leaves, then that is going to break me down as a woman. I lost my son. I lost my daughter. My mother, in a play, my mother was thrown overboard, the slave ship. So there was no proper mourning, there is no cemetery, there is no grave for my mother. So my pain started not only physical, it was emotional, it was spiritual. And then it's going to end to the, with the escape of my husband and he's going to be captured by slave masters, he's going to be beaten and he's going to die. And there you hear me cry like an African when we mourn because everything is done in music. Then the American and British went to war. The British called on the African slaves to fight on their side in exchange for their total freedom. It was a call that a majority of Africans answered to. But even as they fought alongside as soldiers, they were ill-equipped, used, and abused by fellow British soldiers. Finally, the British lost the war. 
Many African slaves gained their so-called promised freedom, but were never really free per se. Many found their way north to Canada, where they settled in a place called Nova Scotia. Canada generally, what we now know as Canada, was essentially a British territory. And uh, during the American War of Independence, the American Revolution, they would choose to call it, um, the blacks who supported the British rule of the Americas, um, having lost the war, the British that is, had to move them out of town, otherwise they would be enslaved again. And what the blacks were fighting for, the reason why they fought with the British was so that they would stop being slaves. Uh, for because they lost, the British had to move all their supporters, if you want, their loyalists, if you want, out of the area, otherwise they would be enslaved or punished one way or the other for losing the war, obviously. Uh, that is where Nova Scotia came in. A handful of people did come to Toronto, but uh, most people went to Nova Scotia. Thomas Peters was one of those who, because of their service to the British, eventually moved to Nova Scotia. When they were moving to Nova Scotia, they were of the impression that they were going to be given the freedom and land. Apparently they got the freedom, but they did not get the land. Something that the blacks in America were also promised on the other side of the war, and they didn't get either. Life in Nova Scotia proved to be more like a bed of thorn than of roses. The ex-slaves were segregated and lived in impoverished villages. The visions of fertile land and prosperity slowly turned into mirages in the desert. The winters were like nothing they could have possibly imagined. Thomas Peters was disappointed. For six years, Tommy P, as he may have been fondly called, pondered upon these circumstances. He ventured across the Atlantic to England, oblivious to the fact that he could have been recaptured as a slave and eventually got in close contact with abolitionists Gavin Sharp, William Wilberforce, and Thomas Clarkson. We are dying. Mm -hmm. We are dying. Our children are suffering. We cannot go to school. We cannot continue our farming. Life is getting very difficult. Life is becoming so difficult. They call it queuing. What do we have to do? What do you plan to do? I am a determined soldier. So, I'm a determined soldier and I fought for the British Army. They promised us so many things. Yes, sir. They promised us. They said we'll get our freedom. Is this freedom? They promised us land. They said they would give us land and we can do our farming. Where is the land? No land. No land. The land is not right. So we shoot up in all good. We know that in Africa, the people are living peaceful lives. They have land and they are farming. So this winter which is killing us, we don't want this winter anymore. We don't want this kind of um, uh, bad treatment from these people. So we have to do something. Yeah. And with your cooperation and your support, I know that we are going to succeed. I did a trip to England. I met with a company in England called the Sierra Leone Company. 
and encourage them to get boats, come to Nova Scotia, and move their fellow black people to a land where they could be in charge of themselves. By this time, Freetown had already been bought for the repatriation of freed slaves, but there was no mass movement. Peter's return to Nova Scotia, and by sheer force of his personality, courage, and his determination, persuaded over 1,100 former slaves to join him in the voyage to Sierra Leone. Thomas Peters and his Nova Scotians founded Freetown in 1792 near the site of the province of Freedom, which had been destroyed several years earlier. In Freetown, in Sierra Leone, Thomas Peters is referred to as the uh, original founder of Freetown. But problems soon developed when the white men of the Sierra Leone Company insisted on running the colony as they saw fit. Thomas Peters confronted the English commander, demanding that his people run their own affairs through an elected committee. But he was unsuccessful in his attempt to establish self-rule. He died shortly afterwards, a victim of malaria in the colony's first rainy season. Thomas Peters was totally committed to freedom and fought for it until the very last day of his life. More than anyone else, he exemplifies the spirit of hope and determination that gave birth to the city of Freetown. Today the circle continues. Descendants of freed slaves, as well as other Leoneans, have made places like Ontario home. After the war in Sierra Leone, some Sierra Leoneans again have been um, brought to Canada. So the link still continues. It's a kind of chain walk in a circle form. I'm a Mende by tribe. I'm a Creole. I'm Mende. My father and my mother, they're all descendants of freed slaves who went back to Africa, Freetown in Sierra Leone to be particular. It shows how Sierra Leone and Sierra Leoneans have managed to be probably the most tolerant people in the world as a result of that little piece, that little aspect of our history. Because most Sierra Leoneans you meet will tell you that in almost every Sierra Leonean family, there are people who are Christians and there are people who are Muslims. And in these days, in almost every Sierra Leonean family, there are people who are Creoles or have Creole background and also have what used to be called native Sierra Leonean background. It is important to tell our kids, you have to be proud of you are, who you are. You came from a line of descendants that are very rich in their culture and they're not just like, or they're not just slaves. They contributed something in making the Western world what it is today. The cotton tree still stands tall at the center of Freetown. Vance Island is slowly revealing its centuries-old secrets to the world. The broken chains of knowledge, of history, and of courage are being reconnected. DNA links are being established. The circle of slavery continues with Sierra Leone at the center.
Good afternoon. 